This season's podcast is sponsored by Exhale Coffee, the UK's first coffee sourced and roasted for health and performance. It's organic and tested free from mycotoxins and pesticides, and one cup of Exhale Coffee independently tested to have the same antioxidants as 12 planets of blueberries or 55 oranges. That is literally insane. It's also optimised for polyphenols and two cups provides 20% of your RDA of vitamin B3 necessary for energy production and brain support. So how do they do this? Through their unique process involving nine different independent lab tests, lots and more of coffee's natural healthy compounds while keeping out the bad. And is overseen by Dr. Ruthie, NHS medical doctor and Alex Manos, functional medicine practitioner. For those who are trying to avoid caffeine, they also offer a decaf, which is the same coffee that's been decaffeinated by the chemical-free mountain water process, which only uses pure spring water from the highest mountain in Mexico to gently extract 99.9% of caffeine and leave all the healthy polyphenols in place. For those who sometimes feel anxious from caffeine, polyphenols have been shown to reduce anxiousness. So people who previously couldn't drink coffee can often drink a high polyphenol coffee like Excel's so you can be jitter and crash free. That's actually so amazing. So many people avoid caffeine because it gives them the jitters we we love caffeine um so we welcome I mean, it yeah this <laughs> this version of caffeine is highly impressive <laughs> yes and they also equally prioritize their impact on the planet and only use plastic free compostable packaging their b corp pending and donate two percent of all sales to charities restoring the natural environment so you can head to xlcoffee.com And you can opt to either have your coffee ground for medium or fine for espresso or have it in whole bean. Hi guys, welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths, to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. Hi guys, welcome back to the Talking Manners podcast. We're very excited to be speaking with Charlie, aka The Runner Beans on Instagram. She's a registered dietitian and an author. Hi Charlie. Hi. We're so happy to have you on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I feel like we've got so much to talk about because you've you've just done so much. (laughs) I feel like I haven't seen you, Sophie, since like an event I know. Like pre pre pandemic. And so it feels about like 10 years ago, but actually probably it was only like two and a half. But um yeah. But I, I feel like because I've had a baby since I've seen so many people in the industry, I'm like living in this different life now. <laughs> <laughs> but then at the same time, I feel like I know everything going on because I obviously follow on Instagram and yes, like is this weird beauty of social media in real life. But yeah. Definitely. Um, okay, so let's just jump straight in. Like I said, we've got loads of different things that we can talk to you about. But first of all, sorry, first of all, for anyone who kind of hasn't heard of you or doesn't know about you, um, but I'm pretty sure I have, but if I haven't, um, how 
what, what was your journey into becoming a dietitian and then obviously your running journey alongside that yeah so um they kind of run c- concurrently really um so I have a geography degree that I have never used do you know what everyone who has a geography degree is like, I've never used my degree <laughs> do you know what? I actually loved my degree I really enjoyed doing it I yeah. loved geography at school as well actually we didn't have geography in America that like wasn't a subject what? no I find the whole geography thing in England actually so interesting oh my god that's so interesting <laughs> we just had like history and then like one year of history we spoke about geography but it was never called geography weird anyway side tangent yeah well geography in my opinion is one of is one of the best subjects I really enjoyed it um but so I graduated wanted to work in magazines um started uh, a blog to try and basically get my first magazine job got the job, worked at Good Housekeeping for three and a half years, I think. And then I moved um, to News UK. But during that time, I was writing about food. I was testing recipes, writing recipes, writing food news pages, which is partly why I started running or kept running because I needed to find a bit of balance between eating and moving. And then the other thing it was was it was just at the start of like health bloggers and mm. like Ciela and all of that side of things and I was shocked and horrified by who could share in inverted commas health information and as a journalist I was trying to find credible sources and trying to find their you know how how are they qualified to say this information how, where is it a credible source are they a credible source and discovered that they most of the time people online were not and that's how i sort of started down the route of how can i find out more information that is credible how can i become qualified in this thought about doing nutrition and actually spoke to somebody who was in the middle of a dietetics degree and she um told me that any anything you want to do that needs nutrition you can do with a dietetics degree but the same is not but you know not vice versa so yeah that's which is so true actually the dietetics route apart from anything else it was free also to go and do that uni as my second oh, I get so jealous of people who either I feel like psychology like doctor degrees um and nutrition they're like to have those at, like free is insane yeah <laughs> So yeah, I, did, I didn't, I was, wouldn't have been able to afford to have gone back full-time if I was paying for the nutrition, whereas the dietetics, um, yeah, my tuition was covered. So that, that helped. That's so nice, actually. Like, I can't even imagine. I think it's really interesting that you came at it from like finding the, like being the source of truth. Um, cause we speak to a lot of people. And I think actually nutrition is such a common second career for so many people mm. because it aligns with many interests and people, I think in their second careers are more aligned to helping people and having purpose. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really common, but I think your angle of like being the source of truth and a journalist, it's so interesting. It's not actually one that I've heard before. And I, I just find it really unique. Yeah, I mean, my idea had been go back to uni, get my dietetics degree, do some probably sports nutrition and go almost back into journalism. And it was while I was on placements as part of the the dietetics degree, you have to do 
three hospital, I had to do three hospital placements. I fell in love with like acute clinical dietetics. So that's where I work now, which um, is not where I envisaged myself at all. I Again, I hear that so much in the nutrition industry when you train to become a nutritionist or dietitian. I'm not, you know, I thought all I wanted to do was work with clients all day, every day. And I've actually just recently given up with clients because that's just draining and actually it turns out that wasn't what I wanted to do at all <laughs> yeah yeah I, I thought I was going to be like you know yeah as you say like in a clinic for, um, but actually doing the clinics is my least favorite part of my job I love being on the ward I love being on intensive care um, and and so yeah it's not something I never crossed my mind I think that's why it's so important to go into these sorts of things with a really broad idea of mm. what you might get out of it rather than kind of going in with one set idea of that this is 100% what I'm going to do and um, not being open to other other areas of the industry. Yeah and you can do so much with a nutrition degree or a dietetics degree it's literally like one of like I think there's so many like routes you can go down Um, but I think Instagram maybe like it paints a picture of like a glamorous life sometimes. Um, 100%. And it's not always the reality. I think like having clinic work or private clients is actually like, there's a really like dark side to it that doesn't get airtime. Um, but I think it's so interesting. I, I actually worked in a hospital as well, inpatient, um, ICU, acute, I actually, and then I did a bit in like a detox and rehab center. Um, and I couldn't like I love the science and I love being part of like the medical team but I'm like incredibly queasy and a fainter and didn't really realize that I can't do ICU because it I just fainted a lot (laughs) I've only nearly been sick once like and had to hold it together and was really glad for a mask um (laughs) yeah I realized I didn't realize I was so unqueasy and loved like wounds and like (laughs) Yeah, I yeah. Barry's worst nightmare. I'm like literally going weak just (laughs) (laughs) when Barry's going to disappear from the screen any moment. (laughs) So, just a question: You mentioned mask. Um, Were you working during the pandemic? Like, how was that? Like, you know. So I qualified in September 2019. Oh my god! Time off, um, like did some traveling and um, like worked on blog and Instagram stuff for a couple of months and then got a job and started in February, 2020. Wow. Four weeks. And then they were like, then it basically COVID hit. And I, blown, yeah. Yeah, and I volunteered to work on the ICU within about six weeks of starting my band five job. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Um, which is, yeah. I, as I say, I loved it. I, at the beginning, I was basically just collecting information because we were trying, we only had one ICU dietitian at the hospital I worked in and a lot of beds. And so we were trying to limit his exposure on ICU. So we would take it in turns and go up like every other day. Um, and I would have to call down with the information because like I knew some of it, but I had no idea some of the other things. Um, and also it was also new to all of us, like proning. I'd never seen a patient being turned and loads mm. of them were being fed via tubes. And we did, weren't sure at the time whether we could, whether the feed had to be stopped when they were prone anyway. Yeah. yeah and like gastric or, residuals and aspiration, yeah. I imagine was like yeah. quite a concern. 
yeah and then like just the different oxygens and um did it break the seal if we had an ng tube going out and um yeah it was a very steep learning curve but ultimately i'm so glad i was working there and i mm. kind of felt able to help and it reaffirmed my decision to go into clinical dietetics yeah that's so interesting where does your because obviously you've built up quite a social media following was that kind of you were doing that whilst qualifying or that was the point of the page um so that was started off like years ago when I was running and working at Good Housekeeping and um as a bit of fun and then it basically helped fund me through my degree mm. I was also I was working as a nanny but also working on my blog and Instagram and make essentially it made money and then during the pandemic I had zero energy to do anything so kind of like I shared a bit but it was definitely put on the back burner yeah. and I found it almost quite difficult to re to get that balance back and the I was doing a lot more exciting things pre-pandemic to share online mm. and running a lot more and then obviously it was just like I'm at home or at work and I can't yeah. really do at work um, see that's what I feel like people don't see they obviously if they just visited your page let's say off the back of this episode they'd be like wow like look at her she's done so much she's got so much going on whereas actually like the realities behind that page is like I'm exhausted like I'm doing loads of stuff here <laughs> yeah it's I feel like it's much better now um and I yeah with travel opening up full disclosure my husband is a pilot which means I get to travel probably more than the average person That's um, so nice. yeah um but yeah no now it now it is better but yeah for the last sort of year and three quarters it's been a bit I wasn't really running wasn't really doing didn't really even have the healthiest of habits and and then was kind of struggling with what to share and mm-hmm. what I had the energy to share really you know I, I resonate so much with that and I wasn't same. nearly in the same position that you were I think it's just a testament to like the mental effects of the pandemic and you know how it it like I barely post on Instagram anymore to be honest I used to post like every single day and now I post yep. once a week because I just feel drained mentally. I don't know what brings me joy in terms of showing up and what I want to talk about. And, you know, I didn't work through a pandemic in the NHS. So I can only imagine, and obviously Mm. I didn't have a baby either. So like, I can only imagine what you guys (laughs) have gone through. That's the point though. Like everyone's life is changing all the time. Like I constantly think like, shall I share this? Like, does anyone even care? Like, (laughs) And I, and I think, yeah, like what I consume on Instagram is different as well. And I think that's the same yeah. for a lot of people. And I find that my attention span is a lot shorter. Um, I read something about how um, a lot of people during the pandemic and w- with anxiety in general, re-watch things, like re-watch programs because they don't have the capacity to consume anything new. Yeah. Oh God, that's me. That's me. Like, that's me. There's I, literally a meme about like yeah. an, an anxious individual rewatching the same program because they already know how it's going to end and like yes. there's no expectation and they can like mentally consume it. I find so much comfort in watching something that I know. Ash, my husband says this to me all the time. He's like, why do you want to watch the same, like a film that you know what happens in? I'm like, 
it comforts me okay that's exactly why I want to watch it because I know there's yeah. going to be no really sad <laughs> thing that like blindsides me I'm not going to be up all night worrying about this yeah um I'm but I so feel like you brought that up kind of the same with Instagram and with social media in general and I feel especially like uh, as we record this the atrocities going on in in the Ukraine I feel guilty for mm-hmm. not wanting to consume that content yeah and yeah. knowing that I need or feeling like I need the information but again Instagram's not the place to go for that mm-hmm. so no yeah I've definitely noticed that during times when there's a lot of stress in life and just going on in the world it's not the place that I go for content yeah especially as like a journalist you know more than anyone how like actually detrimental that could be um and I actually like side tangent but I always find it like a really interesting like conversation of when you have a following and there is an atrocity going on in the world what level of responsibility do you have versus what is actually harmful in, not harmful but like spreading misinformation what's your role yeah, where I agree. tend to shy away from because it's just not the point of my page like I don't really talk about that stuff and I tend to shy away from talking about things because I'm nervous about sharing the wrong information one because I'm not an expert on the situation and I'm conscious of it coming off as performative but then my rational brain is like no you need to talk and you know provide some useful information to people and it it, it just it's an interesting like dialogue I've been having with myself Mm -hmm. I think off the back of that as well like you can't share and talk about everything like we've had this conversation before Barry like you can't just be responsible for all this information kind of thing yeah it's just an interesting thing isn't it Mm. yeah definitely um but back to you we do this a lot we go off on (laughs) on the podcast um but how does your exercise tie in with your nutrition you actually said interestingly at the start you kind of used food um and exercise to kind of balance out or what you felt like was balancing out your life how what does that look like for you yeah so um when I was at good housekeeping I ate a lot and I was not the healthiest I was um going I was early 20s going out a lot in London drinking a lot eating like I would make a cake because I had to for the website and then I'd eat a lot of the cake and so I I I actually signed up for my first marathon in memory of one of my friends um really wanted to do something that was completely out of my comfort zone I'd never run before I was not a runner um and crossed the finish line of that marathon having raised a lot of money and feeling like I didn't hate that and I bet I could run that faster and that's how the kind of trying to get faster trying to knock my time down started alongside this how can I fuel my body better I didn't really I literally had like some Haribo from like random people in the crowds during that race and like some Lucasade from the aid stations I had no idea how to fuel my run and that's sort of where this interest in nutrition in terms of what should I be eating to fuel my runs what should I be eating during after you know before that sort of thing and that's where I started looking online for that information and and conversely bringing that across to to the good housekeeping looking at like 
is it responsible that we're sharing these recipes and saying that they're just a midweek meal when they've got this many calories and this like do people understand the, the information we're providing in the terms of like not just calories but just in terms of like serving suggestions and are we providing balance and full a full kind of nutritional profile across mm. our recipe suggestions um which is yeah where the kind of health interest and the nutrition interest was spiked when you said the um just to go back when you said running and just like collecting random Haribos for people in the marathon I just had the funniest picture in my head um but that's like such an interesting thing about like I've heard this from so many athletes about like the quick release sugars and just like mm. the the habits that they form during training that has then transcended to post tra- like when they stop training but those ideas of like oh I need quick release sugar for this and just like those uh, yeah those formative habits that when they stopped training and weren't exercising as much actually how that had a negative impact on their eating behaviors in the long term I just thought it yeah is interesting I basically haven't stopped training. I feel like I I have, since my first marathon, I've run 12 more. Oh um, my God. In, Is that like a world's record? Like how many marathons? Like, <laughs> oh no. When you, when you said you'd run your first one and you didn't hate it and you bet you could do it again. If like, not that I would ever be capable of running a marathon, but I would be like, I'm going to die if I do another one. <laughs> <laughs> I, like it's a weirdly competitive you're like this was awful I remember finishing my 20 miler with my friend and we were like this is horrendous like we'll never this we're gonna do the marathon and and I do remember it probably wasn't immediate the feeling of like I bet I could do this faster like we went we went to the pub I had two ciders. I then threw up in my friend's new <laughs> new boyfriend's car or very nearly threw up <laughs> My feet were so blistered and okay, uh, I must've been 20, 22 and we didn't have any antiseptic in the house. So I put my feet into a bath of vodka. I knew you were going to say that. How did I know that? <laughs> yeah, the prefacing this by being like, I was 22. Yeah. Like I had, yeah, 22, like we didn't have any antiseptic. So I was like, perfect. I just put my feet into vodka. Um, I was hobbling so badly and so much pain that my boss sent me home at lunchtime the next day in a taxi. Um, oh being like, because I had to wear flip flops on the tube in April. And, but I don't know, maybe a couple of days later, I was like, <laughs> hmm, that was, you know, once that pain, once that. You're like, really selling it, Charlie. <laughs> I know. What, I can, what I'm likening it to is like giving birth and like, I was you thinking that as well. Forget the pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing has ever hurt as much as that one, because I think I had no, like, I don't even remember eating at the pub afterwards. I had these two ciders. Oh, actually, no, we, I think we got like a Thai takeaway once I got home that my friend, my flatmate at the time was like, I think you should probably eat having, yeah, had. Just run a marathon. Just run a marathon. No, no nutrition really during it. Um, yeah, it's, a mir- it's, it's no wonder I literally shaved off like 45 minutes the next time I did one because I you actually healed your body. Knew what I was doing. Yeah, exactly. Were you always like um, a competitive person? Like, is that 
like because I I just I'm the least competitive person like with everything I like don't care (laughs) and like the fact of like oh I can do that again and do better like that's yeah that's so crazy yeah I I would say um yeah very competitive aggressively so when I was younger I I try really hard to be a uh like more uh, to enjoy things more rather than always be competitive now um because I would say I was probably not the best loser when I was younger younger or like growing up um but yeah very competitive with my with myself and just this striving to be like what what can I do to do this better and for me with the marathon I've got a time goal that I want and that helps that helps me get up at five in the morning Mm. to go for a run it's interesting I was going to ask does that kind of striving to be better translate into your nutrition world as well do you kind of have this need to be the healthiest you can be and eat really well no, I mean, you guys saw I just had a Colin the Caterpillar like shoveling down my throat. No, and I and I don't think like for me that side of things isn't isn't competitive. The um, yeah, I don't. I've never had the kind of. Um, I know a lot of people get into nutrition because of their own kind of personal interests mm. and their own eating habits. Mine has never never been like that. And sometimes I look at what like. I, I eat or what my husband's eating and I'm like I've actually got a degree in this and this is what we're having like oh know. my god since like whilst I've been breastfeeding I can't tell you how much sugar I consume yeah and and actually like our take we've got a snack table at work and it especially during the pandemic we'd be like oh treat ourselves like oh it's Tuesday let's get this um and and I, I do for me it's all about balance and and mm fueling and enjoying food and enjoying the social aspects of food and enjoying eating you know have enjoying what I'm eating and feeling like it's nourishing and um but also that it's fun I mean I love a column Mm -hmm. I think that's what the definition of a healthy relationship with food is like it isn't like yeah we could have all the nutrition degrees and information but it's like that's not actually like practical and nice to say like how much do you sacrifice for that like your social life your enjoyment you're sitting down with your friends and having you know calling the caterpillars yeah Yeah. just like to clarify I probably wouldn't have bought the full pack that was my husband who like got home from a flight on like there's second. no judgment here no judgment. <laughs> but like I feel like a Tuesday night I feel like just a, anyway um but uh, yeah I feel like kind of for me I already sacrificed a fair amount for my running and I'm not mm. willing to do it for and and I will and I don't think sacrifice is the right word for this but I will eat to fuel my run um like I'll try and think about if I've got a long run the next day or a workout or something, I'll, I'll think about what I'm eating the night mm. before. And I think about what I eat after my run, but a lot of the time it's like, right. Protein, carbs, fat. Have we yeah. it all off? Have I had at least five portions of fruit and veg today and some good sources of fiber and enough water if I have, and do I feel good? If I do, then kind of it, like everything else doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, I, think you I just, love that. Yeah, that's just nailed I feel like how, yeah, it nailed it. Like that's exactly how we sh- like it's all based on our priorities, right? And our like your priority is like, okay, how can I fuel my exercise? But then also like 
can I enjoy life? And I think it's just like balancing priorities and, you know, so for you, it's like, how can I not feel so tired and how can I fuel my body? Yeah. Um, Like what's the quickest meal I can eat that I can like quickly shovel in some nutrition and energy because, you know, Romeo screams at me if I'm eating and he's not. (laughs) Exactly. So I think it's like managing your priorities, but like having some level of like nutrition awareness, right. To meet kind of like your goals. But I I think it's like, the less we focus on yeah it's like not obsessing and it's like actually the less we focus on that the more healthy our relationship with food is and it kind of takes that I don't know step back approach where you're like okay nutrition's important but like it's not your it shouldn't consume your whole life yeah 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 it was interesting when I first started dating my husband he was like you always try and pick something healthy on the menu and then you never really like it and it's not that enjoyable going out for dinner with you and I was like that yeah like I'm like oh we're going out for burgers I'll get the this was a few years ago I'll get the turkey burger because and then I'd be like this is so dry and sad and then I'd be like can I have some of yours and he was like just get the food you want and yeah and that yeah that really stuck with me that I was like why am I doing this yeah especially things like going out for meals like just mm. pick what you want and enjoy it and yeah. and I know for me that like particularly if I don't drink enough water during the day I feel horrible regardless of what else I've eaten so controlling the things that are like this is a non-negotiable for me mm-hmm. drink enough water get the yeah as I said get the get five portions of fruit and veg in per day at least because I know I feel better having had that and yeah. then yeah eat, eat what I like around it yeah just on like the going out bit I came to a realization maybe like same time five or five five years ago when I was yeah first dating my boyfriend maybe longer um I used to order things like you said like that were like the healthier maybe version and then I realized I was like I make this at home and I make it better and I'm That's paying my for thing. this I want to go and out and like, order something that I'm not going to make at home Exactly. And now I have the mentality of like, okay, what, what is different? What do I not eat at home? Like I'm, I very rarely go out and like order some sort of like veggie mix of some sort of a salad. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, I could make that for a quarter of the price. Like I'm not paying Mm -hmm. a pound 50 extra for your quarter of an avocado. Like, it's true though like unless it's guacamole I feel okay, like yes it's just do really good guacamole I'm like what is the secret yes agreed um but yeah that was like a big pivotal moment in my like socialization um I don't know just like journey mm-hmm. yeah definitely um so moving on to a bit of another topic um actually let's go back to actually let's keep it food related for a little bit longer um how did you come about to write your book so that one was a I feel like a bit of a right place right time situation I was in the US and I had um bought a copy of Shalane Flanagan who is a US marathon runner um now coach and a copy of her cookbook and I think I posted on Instagram and a publisher sent me an email saying this is interesting would you be would you be interested in writing something like a British version of running and sort of recipes and that sort of thing 
And I replied being like, yes, I feel like I'm in a really unique position that I used to work for Good Housekeeping, have written recipes for a living. I'm going to be qualified as a dietitian in, you know, by the time the book would be coming out. And yeah. Um, and what I didn't realize was that my dissertation and book deadlines would basically all exactly match up like drafts. And I had a mini meltdown um, in 2019. But yeah, it was, it's all, all worked out, thankfully. Amazing. I feel like ours was quite similar, like I right was place, say, right time. Yeah. And yeah, very, very lucky that we were offered the opportunity. Um, because I feel like a lot of people were, you know, they they have to go after a book deal and they meet with X amount of publishers, but we were very lucky as well. But um Barry and I were both working full time. We literally had three months to write the book, otherwise we missed the deadline and we have to wait another year. So we were like, okay, let's just do this now. And yeah, those months were pretty intense yeah and there's only so many times when you've like tested a recipe and you're like this isn't quite right but I don't know what's not right about it. <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh, Barry and I used to write paragraphs and we'd be like did you or I write that like we were so I still don't tired know. <laughs> writing it sometimes that we were like that's a good paragraph like did I write that or like did you write that like if you asked me now to like read the book and say like what sections did you write I don't think I could decipher the only bit I know for sure that you did Barry was um the timeline of all the diets oh yeah the, the diet you, you have like PTSD from writing yeah I don't want to talk about it it was just really stressful <laughs> it is stressful isn't it and like it looks so lovely like the amount of research and writing that goes into a book like no one will understand but now that we've done that, it like does show you like if you put your mind to something and I'm sure it's like the yeah. same thing with marathon running and things like that. Like yeah. if you commit to something and you put effort into it, like you can get through it and like you can come out the other side retrospectively, like reflect back on it and be like, I'm so proud of that. Um, and it's that that accomplishment, that like high that you get is probably what fuels you to do your next book or your next marathon. Yeah, definitely. And and it's like having something tangible. I feel like in a world where so much is online, mm. I loved having like being like, this is something that I've made. Yeah. I, I love mean, that as well. Yeah, it was it's amazing. And also just yeah, I still cook recipes. I don't know if it's weird, but I still use my own cookbook. To cook. I do as well. Oh, we do, yeah. <laughs> well, because it's also like you put your best recipes yeah, in. Yeah, it. it's like an illustration of us in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do that awesome um well we'll make sure we link your book um in the show notes for anyone who hasn't checked it out yet um but on a little bit of a different note I or we have been following your IVF journey um I would love if you're happy to maybe talk a little bit yeah. about that because I just think it it will probably me having just had a baby I feel like it's more of a topic now that people are talking about the realities of mm -hmm. actually getting pregnant and then you know having the baby whatever um but yours is such a unique story so we'd love to hear a little bit and about you just did such a nice post on it today on Instagram didn't you uh well yeah thank you um yeah it's it's something that I didn't know I it's this sounds very I don't know if wanky is the right, right word. Sorry if you're not. <laughs> Anything goes on this podcast. <laughs> but like, 
I didn't know I needed to share it until I'd shared it. And it, it was this huge weight and I, that I almost didn't recognize that I was carrying because of this shame and this um, loneliness of, of infertility. And as yeah. soon as I shared it and the huge amount of support from people I knew, people I didn't know, people like complete strangers, colleagues from around the world, honestly, it was it was a game changer for me and how I viewed our infertility journey. Um, and it's made it such a positive for us. And so that's kind of why my husband and I are so open and we're so willing to share partly because it's cathartic for mm-hmm. us. Um, and partly because I'm like, there is no shame in however you go about building a family and we need to start destigmatizing it because I mean, I'm not the only one that has felt completely alone, who's kept secrets like this. You know, I didn't really tell anyone for like 15 years. And that's a huge amount of shame and sadness for someone that I was 16 when I was diagnosed. And that's like such Mm -hmm. a big thing to have taken on. Um, So I've got something called MRKH, which I literally, I could, it's like Mayer, (laughs) Rokotansky, Kauser syndrome or something yeah I'd anyway um and there is two types the type that I have which is just where your uterus doesn't develop properly and then there's another type where it's like all linked with kind of your kidneys your spinal cord your hearing and so I kind of have gone into this thinking changing my mindset having done more research being like god I'm actually really lucky that I've just got the one that has a my minor impact on me and and I hadn't selfishly I literally hadn't like looked into it at all like I was just like this is my my thing this is something I'm going to secretly live with and cross that bridge when I come to it and um yeah sorry but a bit waffly but um yeah it's I I feel like Instagram kind of portrays because I felt like as well when I wanted to get pregnant I genuinely felt like every other post on my feed was someone announcing a pregnancy because I guess it's just you tune in more to it isn't it and I feel like Instagram makes it look like it's really you know you want a baby so you have a baby kind of thing and I have so many messages even now of people saying you know we're really we're trying to get pregnant and it's proving quite difficult and no, like you said, no one talks about it and it feels shameful for some reason like why It, it shouldn't be at all. Yeah, it feels like almost like a failure. Yeah. Like failing to do something. As a woman. Yeah. 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 100%. And it's and it's awful. And and this also this fact that you're like not supposed to talk about it. Like people don't talk about them being pregnant until they're 12 weeks pregnant. And mm-hmm. like a social construct that we have decided, like, right, your risk is lower. So like you can't share your good news because you don't want to share if it's bad news. But actually, mm-hmm. like in every other area of our lives, we talk to our friends and our families about the good, the bad, the ugly. But in this one thing, this huge thing, you're not supposed to say anything for three months. I like completely understand that. So if I said this to you when you were first pregnant, but like, it's such an isolating time. And it really is. I, I think it's so like, I understand why you said like the risk and stuff and you don't share, but it does create this like 
other, you know, snowball effect, the things that we don't share and things that we don't talk about. And then they become internalized and taboo. And it's like, it just like falls down, right? Like it just doesn't, it's just not healthy to, to view it in that way. And it's fueled by the fear of failing. Like you said, it's like, it's like looking like a failure is just too mortifying to share it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I am shocked and saddened by the number of people that I have, that have messaged me as like you said on Instagram saying that we've been through this and also of like people that I'm friends with in real life that are like, I haven't spoken to anyone about this, but my partner and I have gone through this or my husband and I have gone through this or, you know, here's my experience of IVF. And I'm like, I didn't even know that you were going through that. Mm. Um, and, And it's heartbreaking to feel like they didn't have people to talk to. Yeah. And it's also, I think the other heartbreaking thing is like the associated costs and people don't really talk about that. And it's, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And there's that associated thing of like, well, I'm going to spend this money and what if it doesn't work? And there's that extra layer and people just don't talk about it. Yeah. And, and money is always a difficult one because like I respect, like I'm very aware of the privilege that we have, that we're able to afford to do IVF and surrogacy. It's something that not everybody can afford to do. But like you said, people are spending thousands of pounds and saying to their friends, sorry, we can't come out for dinner or we can't go on this holiday or we can't mm-hmm. do this. But like not being like, this is why. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think... And, and especially, obviously, we're very lucky in the UK that some people do qualify for it on the NHS. But like I follow quite a few accounts in the US where it is cripplingly expensive yeah. and they're, they're paying out of pocket for everything. And it's they're doing two, three, four rounds of it. Mm. And yeah, it's it sh- it should be talked about more like both sides of things like the emotional and and the stress that the financial stress bring like the yeah, you know, I was side of the financial but then there's like this other like secondary messaging of like well I don't know if you you feel it or this is like how I interpret it of it's like well don't feel too stressed because that might impact your ability yeah. to get pregnant and then it's like well how does one deal with all of it and like don't put that on me that I'm not allowed to feel stressed because this is really stressful mm-hmm. and then it's like well you can't feel stressed or it I'm sure it's like like I I feel that hecticness I can only imagine what it feels like to be in that situation yeah and that's just that's even just for the women like when I was going through IVF my poor husband said like he tried to take all the stress off me and I didn't realize and so he had this like breakdown being like I'm so stressed and I've tried not to tell you anything and I don't have anyone to talk to. And he felt like he couldn't say anything to me because he didn't want me to have any stress. But actually he was taking all this stuff on and, and it's even harder if, you know, if it's hard for women to speak to their friends about this, it's even harder for guys to bring that sort of thing up. Um, And I think just opening the dialogue, us having this open dialogue by talking online and sharing our story has meant that my husband's friends are talking to him about it. And he's really open and excited about what we have been through and are going through. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud of him that he has then opened up this conversation with his friends 
to be a support for others and and just to kind of share our story with them yeah amazing and hopefully anyone that's listening to this episode who's who knows someone or is going through something similar themselves can now because I feel like your page is one of the few that's doing it I do know a few others but um just following along with your journey has been so interesting thanks yeah I think I'm not sure everybody enjoyed watching um me inject myself like last February like putting Instagram stories out every morning my friends were like I I quite liked it I think I thought it was good that you were doing that the reality isn't it it's the it's the unfiltered version that everyone needs so yeah don't doubt yourself of being don't second guess yourself be like I don't know if anyone enjoyed it because I think it's it's the thoughts that 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 prevent us from sharing the things that we should be sharing yeah you're right yeah amazing awesome so just to wrap up Barry any more questions no I mean I just love this episode I think um Mm. I think it's just like, so I don't know how to explain it, but I love what I love about the podcast is that like, we all have a lot of our guests, we have like some sort of like shared interest, whether it be nutrition or health or healthy lifestyle, but everyone just brings something so unique to the table. And just like, it's just paints a picture of like the modern world that we live in and like the trials and Mm -hmm. tribulations that everyone goes through. And I just, I'm really glad that we were able to have this conversation because it's not one that we've been able to touch on so many different points. And what I love is showing, you know, listeners that, you know, you're a registered dietitian. You're, you're, you're not perfect. Like you're not the healthiest person in the world. I'm not the healthiest person in the world. Neither is Barry. Like we're all just trying to work out our best way to live our best life and that all looks so different like all three of us have such different lives and different versions of wellness yeah I feel like um I can't remember there was like a year or maybe even two years ago Barry you shared like a tweet that says I'm a dietitian and sometimes I drink more than two glasses of wine (laughs) sometimes I do this sometimes I do that um and I it really resonated like oh um, my god that makes me so happy yeah I did go through a period where I was tweeting I don't anymore maybe I should bring it back (laughs) I was, um, gonna say, I was going to appear it was in more than two glasses of wine <laughs> I thought you were going to say where well, I was no, staying hydrated pandemic, <laughs> pandemic was definitely more than two glasses of wine um, 100% yeah no I think yeah sometimes I'm like do as I say not as I do but I yeah know, <laughs> I think every you know all advice should be taken with a what is the intention behind this and the intention is to like from all of us is to provide information to then take and put it into their into practice how however it works best for you in your life and um, mm. rather than being like do this and you will be healthy because I don't yeah, yeah. Oh, I hate point. that prescriptive language it really just like I feel like we can leave that in the past <laughs> amazing well thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us I have like so enjoyed this episode and as Sophie said, we will link your book and all your information in the episode description. So anyone who wants to follow your journey, who isn't already following, can go ahead and do so. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved chatting. Amazing. And we will catch up with you soon. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you. Charlie. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. 
And share with your friends if you love this episode. It really does help us get seen in the chart. You can now also order our Forking Wellness book anywhere books are sold. Order it on Amazon Prime for next day delivery. And Barnes & Noble in America. And if you love the book, we would so appreciate a review on Amazon. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and we really hope you enjoy it. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.